Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Luke. I'm Katie. And holy shit, man. I've watched a lot of movies this week. <laughs> oh, yeah? Tell me about them. Um, yeah. Okay, so I immediately thought of you off the bat. Um, and I texted you because mm-hmm. uh, I watched Scoob. My sister uh, rented Scoob to watch with uh, my nieces because um, she was watching them. And, she's, and it, you know, it just came out. Mm-hmm. And I was intrigued and I was willing to rent it anyways. But since it was like already on the Amazon account that like my mom has, obviously I'm going to hop right on there and check it out for myself. And I was like immediately intrigued by it because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. Like I was I got like mad nostalgia at first because they sort of like did the shot for shot of the old intro, mm-hmm. uh, which like, well, at least a lot of like shots anyways, which like really you'll you'll get me off the bat. But for a 90 minute movie aimed at uh like sort of relaunching this ip for kids i i did think that the plot got really hard to follow yeah uh like we spent a lot of time with like different characters where i'm like what is their importance to the story so like mm-hmm. i enjoyed it as an adult because like i recognized some of these old timey ass characters i was like holy shit like they're doing dino mutt and it's ken jong mm-hmm. like they got we got blue falcon up in this bitch <laughs> uh uh, you know wh- who else? Katie, Cave, Captain Caveman. Yeah, yeah, Captain Caveman, and um, actually, uh, Luke Falcon has an assistant or a partner that works with him, um, named Dee Dee Skies, who is also from Captain Caveman. She's one of the Teen Angels, um, so they're definitely planning something else more there. Uh, there's also references what? there. There's a poster of the Hex Girls in one of the scenes. And um, at, there's an arcade where you see like Hong Kong Fooey, and I uh, called that to, to yeah? Taylor. I was like, "Oh my mm-hmm. god, I recognize him!" <laughs> and uh, and uh, I also saw your boy Jabberjaw. Oh yeah, yeah, he was there. So I, I don't. What does this mean, Katie? A Jabberjaw feature? Uh, why are they trying to assemble the Avengers universe in this in this movie that was supposed to be about Scooby and the gang? So this is. Okay, so from what I understand, the original script was called S-C-O-O-B, Scoob, but all the letters actually stood for something, and it was supposed to be, like, Shaggy and Scooby being a part of, like, a larger organization that already exists. So rather than just the Blue Falcon, like, Penelope Pitstop was supposed to be there, uh, Jabberjaw was also supposed to have a bigger role, like, all these other Hanna-Barbera characters, and it, the, from what I, like, this script just got rewritten and rewritten and reworked. And I think it's, I mean, I had a wonderful time. I thought it was a oh, lot I did, of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did too. I'm like I, thrilled I watched it. I got it. Like, I just oh, yeah. didn't know, like, it felt like a weird thing to do. Like, if you're, tr- I don't know how you, it's hard to launch the Hanna-Barbera, like, some of those characters to, like, this group. Because do kids even know them anymore? Well, like, do uh, kids even know who the fuck, like, a lot of those Hanna-Barbera characters are? No, and I think aside that's from the problem. Because um, with the Avengers, you had to start with Iron Man. Like, it's not until the end of Iron Man that, like, Nick Fury pops up and he's like, hey, it's the Avengers. Like, there's a whole movie where you just get to spend time with Tony Stark, and uh, which makes it more intimate and you actually begin to care about the character. And Scooby-Doo has five different characters, four humans and one Scoob, and... They're, they just didn't give them room to make us care about them because they just assumed that Scooby-Doo is just a part of the lexicon that they can jump right to these other larger characters. And I think that that's very detrimental to the film. Like, I think that they should yeah, have scaled I, it back 
had it be a mystery, and then at the end be like, oh, there's a larger world that we're going to tease out, build out. I just think that they now tried to talking. put all their eggs in one basket. Now we're talking, because if I... W- First of all, I didn't watch the trailer, uh, so... Well, I don't I don't remember seeing the trailer. So when it started out, I was like, oh, cool, are we doing, like, a pup named Scooby-Doo? Like, we're starting mm-hmm. with them as, as young in the first one? Totally fine by me. Love it. Uh, like the origin and all that. And then uh, when we got to them older, I was like, oh, my God, Zach Efron is Fred? This is, mm-hmm. like, the best day of my life. And, like, <laughs> I was having a great time there. But, yeah, I w- I'm like you. I would have totally been cool with, like, a very small scale not even small scale but like a nice standalone mystery mm-hmm. um and maybe they were like that's what everybody's used to fuck that but i don't know i, I it was hard for me to follow at times because we keep going like oh here we are with scooby and and shaggy up on the it's like you know bl- up on the falcon blue falcon spaceship or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and and then like then we're jumping back to the gang who's after them and then we're with dick dastardly and mm-hmm. and you know dastardly and mutley and all that shit it's it's weird because like so i i understand why they did it again because they're trying to build out this other world but also because scoob in and of itself has is a property that's existed for 51 years and throughout that time it is it is an inherently elastic property like you have the base elements and of the gang of mysteries etc but it's been played with for sure like, different members have been uh, just taken out in certain versions. Like, there's a whole era in the 70s and 80s where it was either uh, Shaggy, Daphne, Scooby, and Scrappy, or just Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy. And they just went around solving not just mysteries, but also in the the first series, it was all very much that, like, there's no such thing as ghosts, there's the paranormal isn't real, and in the 70s and 80s, they were kind of playing with uh, the possibility of, like, but what if there were? Like, uh, what I like to call the Red Shirt Shaggy trilogy, which mm-hmm. is um, Shaggy wearing a red shirt. There's three direct, uh, there's three TV movies. I guess they're just not direct movie, they're TV movies. And one of them, are, one of them we've covered, correct? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. In my opinion, the best one. So you have that one, and that one's not really a mystery either. So they've definitely done that before. They have a history, as well as the Boo Brothers and the Reluctant Werewolf, where Shaggy is a werewolf and he wacky races. So there's definitely been a lot of experimentation with this property over the year, but it's still, like, my favorite kind of scoop, and this is all personal, is I like it when the gang is all together, they're solving mysteries, I don't really care if they're supernatural or not, and there's actually a sense of friendship between them all. And what I did like mm-hmm. about this movie is that... Because in some Scooby-Doo instances, you don't even get the sense that they even like each other or that they even hang out. But, like, this movie had Especially some... that James Gunn one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Th- there are some instances in this film that I really appreciated as somebody who's always wondered, like, do Shaggy and Fred, like, ever talk? Because... It seems like for the majority of the whole property, they just don't even acknowledge each other. And if they do, it it never feels like they're close friends. But in this movie, there's a scene where Fred and Shaggy reunite and they actually hug. And Mm -hmm. I just, I appreciated that so much. Just like, okay, cool. There's actually an acknowledgement that these two hang out and are friends. Yeah, I, I mean... Overall, I'm thrilled to have another like you know keep Scooby in the in the in the mainframe or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck you know, uh, 
always happy to watch it. And, you know, it's only an hour and a half. It's not like it took anything from my life. I, I really did dig it. I was just curious if kids – I'm just – I'm sure it probably made their money. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. I Do you know anything about the money it made on VOD or whatever? I don't. I do know that Trolls World Tour did Trolls extremely well. I mean, but I don't yeah. know about Scoob. Scooby I imagine it the probably of a very sparkly, fun soundtrack. I mean, it is yeah, an amazing soundtrack true. in Scoob. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I liked about Scoob. I think people should see it. I was just curious what you thought as a diehard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought it was fun. There were things that I would have done differently, but I respect it. It was a take. Speaking of takes that we respect as fans of properties that other people hold dear. Mm-hmm. Uh. Katie, the Snyder Cut is coming to HBO Max. I know. I'm very excited. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> as a as a as a podcast that's covered BVS and uh, Ju- uh, Justice League theatrical mm-hmm. cut, um, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely blown away because it's not even something I fought for super hard. Like mm-hmm. I remember, I remember being let down very hard in the theater for Justice League because they pitched it as like, oh, Josh just finished it. It was already done. He's just doing post, and then it mm-hmm. wasn't that. So now that like we're getting kind of like, you know, the epic, uh, at least, at least, I don't know. It makes everything go back and feel okay. Like now I can watch those movies and not feel kind of like, uh, quite as bittersweet as I used to. Mm-hmm. Because I used to watch Batman v Superman, uh, like hopeful, looking forward to Justice League, and then that happened, and then so you know there was kind of like you know Aquaman I still liked. I love Birds of Prey. I like a lot of these movies coming out still, but. There was always like, a, oh man, like the plan he had was cool and le- divisive for sure. But you know, goddamn, I was down for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm thrilled just to see it happen. Like, I mean, holy shit, what a way to grab people's money. I wasn't even considered. I mean, HBO Max sounded fine, but I wasn't really gonna like come out for it. Now I'm buying that shit. Like, nice. like you probably like got me for life. I heard it's gonna be like new. I heard they're shooting like new footage. I heard mm-hmm. it's going to be like over four hours. They might split it up like a series. Like it, it's just everything. Kevin uh, Smith had Ben Affleck on Batman Beyond the other night. He did a little uh, video for it talking about how stoked he was for Zach and like seeing the, the thing come to fruition. It's just amazing. Like I'm, I didn't even, I wasn't really like a release of Snyder cut person. I remember just mm-hmm. being really disappointed and being like, well, that's what we got. That sucks. Yeah. So this is like something I didn't even really know I wanted. So I, I'm kind of just, thrilled to see it not i mean it's not even ending properly but getting a crack at it and but the funny thing is i have to say uh i don't know that the masses are gonna like a snyder cut anymore i'm gonna fucking freak out over it but if people do do people remember who this is like do people remember how they've reacted to every single like dc property he's touched mm-hmm. like i i mean like it, it's gonna be a 50 50 split again isn't it am i crazy yeah, I do think that it's definitely going to be divisive because even the release of the Snyder Cut um, call was divisive amongst people. And it's also just yeah. hard to please everyone when when you get down to it. But we'll definitely watch it. Oh, man, we're going to watch the shit out of it. Um, last but not least, I watched How to Build a Girl. Uh, oh, how is that? Uh, it's pre- I thought it was pretty good. Like, I mean... It's it's definitely I I really love that the novelist did the screenplay, mm-hmm. and I mean I felt a little thrown by Beanie Feldstein playing like British accent and sixteen, mm-hmm. um so like the first fifteen minutes of it I I, I was like mm, but then I just kind of got through it and it's kind of that's the whole that's kind of the thing with the movie is 
you got to take the movie for what it is as a story and not ask a bunch of logistical questions. Like how would a 16 year old girl be like a, a big, like become a, the hottest rock and roll journalist. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, so that's the thing that I think people maybe are having issues with, but mm-hmm. like, I think it's a fun trip. Totally enjoyable. If I was, if I was in high school and saw that movie, Oh my God, it'd been my life. I wish I could like, if I, I wish I would have read that book when I was in high school, it seems really, sweet she's a cute little it's a cute romance it's a cute little teen coming of age romance comedy dealio i just love yeah. it i think it's cute I'm, I'm happy for all those i want them to always happen you know me mm-hmm. for sure definitely a bit more woke it's not like it's like the after is like the trashy romance novel this is like the the more wholesome like a girl has a voice novel mm-hmm. so oh that's nice i was really just, curious about that one i do like beanie feldstein yeah, give it a watch. Just my two cents. Um, but that's all. I ha- Sorry I had to throw all those bonus features out, but I just watched a shitload of stuff in the past few days, and I wanted to tell you all about it, Katie, because your opinion mm-hmm. matters to me. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm really flattered. I'll be sure to check out How to Build a Girl. Well, take us take us, take us, us to the main event. Okay. So, uh... It, my second anniversary with my girlfriend Erica is coming up and oh. I <laughs> and I wanted to do something special and one thing that she really likes is uh, um, video essays. Uh, we both like as a way to wind down we watch video essays on YouTube from people like Lindsay Ellis and ContraPoints and Philosophy Tube and uh, they're really fun. Um, but I'm not a very visual cat so I thought maybe it might be interesting to, like combine that kind of video essay format of something that she loves with what we do on this podcast, which is go over bad movies. And thankfully oh. there is something that she likes that happens to have a bad movie attached with it. And that thing is Furbies. Hell yes, dude. I'm so into this. I remember uh, Tell Him Steve Dave like years ago did this for some listeners where they did like episodes about things like topics that somebody liked and it wasn't nearly as sweet as doing it as like an anniversary for a significant other so this is this is beautiful and like in many ways this this uh katie when we're dead and gone this uh podcast is gonna be our autobiography so <laughs> uh I, I swear so uh i'm so happy to use it mm-hmm. for i'm so happy to use it for this happy to use our powers for good I'm um, so glad. and i also don't know jack shit about furbies i feel like i was not of the oh we own a furby generation it was more of like a i found a lazy-eyed furby in the bottom of like the toy bin at my babysitter i'm just like i think Mm -hmm. i'm like five to ten years like five to ten years late maybe i i I definitely remember them because i um i i have this very 90s memory of being at a birthday party of a girl i went to school with and she had just gotten mulan on vhs and she was Hell also yeah. gifted a Furby for her birthday. So okay. they were around, but like you, I wasn't terribly aware of them. And I only like really delved or began to know more about Furbies since dating Erica and obviously since uh, doing research for this. So um, our memories are basically the same. And for anybody who doesn't remember, Furbies are like animatronic, anim- like owl toys that have like they their move their language. eyes and like flutter their eyelashes and shit too right it's like mm-hmm. fucking, like i remember the commercials i do remember the commercials like on like daytime nick and stuff they were extremely popular nick Jr. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, a lot of the uh, articles I read said that they were like Mogwai from Gremlins. That's what they remind a lot of people of, <sighs> which I actually never put together. So Me um, either. But yeah, I they, they were extremely popular. Uh, Erica has this whole sweet story of our... Um, how what she wanted for a reason, like how her family collected like the Burger King for Burger King and McDonald's. What are the fast food Furbies? They have all of them. And uh, oh I'm looking God. right now from where I'm sitting and there's uh, two Furbies, three Furbies, three Furbies I'm looking at right now. So the love is real and yeah. I uh, wanted to delve into it. So I have something broken down into like a video essay format and I thought, I could go over it and we could read it and eventually we'll get to the bad movie. Dude, the floor is yours. Like do with us, do with it what you will. Okay. Let's, let's dive in. So chapter one, the many fathers of the Furby. The Furby has three credited creators, David Hampton, Caleb Chung, and Richard C. Levy. David Hampton grew up in Roseville, Michigan and had a fascination with electronics from a young age. He got a start fixing broken radios for his neighbors in his family's basement, sometimes at 4 a.m. in the morning at age 13. He got a... Oh, and at age 13, he got a job at a television repair shop. He even built himself a ham radio, which would be jamming up the local police frequency. Like, like people would be calling his home being like, is this you? And he, you know, had to, like, explain himself and, like, fix things. So, uh, after he read... Yeah, he he apparently was kind of a scamp, like a kind of a boy genius. And uh, after he read an issue of Popular Electronics that the best electronics school was the Navy, he decided to enlist after he graduated school in 1970. So Hampton spent eight years in the Navy traveling and learned a number of languages. Once out of the Navy, Hampton spent time doing a number of jobs in Silicon Valley. He eventually got into the to- into toy development somehow, including working at Mattel, where he met with Caleb Chung. Uh, Eventually, Hampton decided to forge his own path by creating a design and consulting company of his own. um, For toys, obviously. And so that brings us to the second father of the Furby, which is Caleb Chung, who is quite the interesting character, actually. He grew up in... uh, One of the articles I read said he grew up in a low-income family that frequently moved around. What I didn't understand until Erica actually brought this up unprompted a couple nights ago, and I was like, oh, great, that's part of my research, was that he was... His parents were performers and nomadic artistic people and very into miming. So he kind of has a mime background, of all things. Okay. Yeah, he performed as a mime himself, too. Um... Okay, yeah. mime. I thought you were saying mine with an N. I was like, Katie, oh, no, no, I'm no. from a mining town. <laughs> no, M-I-M-E. Got it. Mm. Very interesting peeps. So, um, unlike Hampton, he never had a formal education in electronics, but as Chung sees it, this allowed him to be more free-thinking. Along with designing while he was living in L.A., he was also an actor and a mime. (laughs) There it is. Caleb credits the creation of the Furby in part of his wife urging him to focus on something. During a fortuitous trip with Hampton to the toy fair in the 90s, um, he, uh, oh yeah, that ended up being what inspired them. Before that, he had actually uh, designed a precursor of the Furby, a pet dinosaur that itself was inspired by E.T., Uh, It never went anywhere because Mattel thought nobody would want a dinosaur pet. They thought dinosaurs were only for fighting. So uh, that, he was pretty disappointed by that. But when they, uh, eventually he got um, validated at this 1996 toy fair when they saw the Tamagotchi. 
another 90s big toy. So Hampton yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the, it sounds like the Cabbage Patch Kids, but like mm-hmm. a decade later, right? Mm-hmm. Did you just say that? Uh, no, no, I didn't just say that. Oh, good. I didn't mean to repeat <laughs> you. I was like, did I think of that originally or did I just listen to you and claim it as my own? <laughs> no, no, no. That's all you, man. Oh, good. Wonderful. Yeah, dude. I had no, cl- maybe I just wasn't, maybe my parents were just like, we're not buying you a fucking Furby, Luke. <laughs> maybe. They're very, they're pretty divisive. Like a lot of people either really, really love them, like Erica, or some people really, really think that they're creepy and are super put off by them. But, Taylor um, immediately goes, Furbies? Oh, those creep me out. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they they definitely strike a chord with a lot of people for sure. And uh, I think they're cute. I want to yeah. hold one right now. Yeah. They. Oh, man. And some of the ones that they got out now are really interesting. Like, again, I'm looking at three different generations of Furby right now. Uh, so there's a lot of history behind these. So... Again, they were encouraged by the Tamagotchi, which, if you, I'm Luke, I'm sure you remember, were like oh, handheld electronic devices. That I do. Yeah, yeah, like little pets that you have in your pocket. They're like your little electronic friends that you have to like feed and clean up their poop and you know, etc. Keep them alive. They, were, they reminded me of Pokemon a lot. I remember that didn't didn't they do a Pikachu Tamagotchi? Oh, they did. That oh, I took that thing everywhere. Yeah, I think I had that too. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was really sweet. Ugh nostalgia this is like a toys that made us episode yeah i'm I'm living for it (laughs) good i'm so glad but yeah that ended up being the missing piece of the puzzle for the furby is that um they're like oh okay kids want to feel like there's an interactive element to their pet toys so chung who was into like building animatronics was like okay this is this is the the missing element this is what we got to do so uh this led to the creation of the very first Furby. Once it came time to license the concept, Hampton and Chung brought along Furby's third credited father, Richard C. Levy. Levy graduated from Boston's Emerson College in 1968 with a degree in television and cinematography. After graduation, he promoted over 30 films for Paramount and even created his own production company. However, in 1980, Levy's attention began to shift. He became one of the principal architects of WorldNet Satellite Network. He also began inventing things, toys and games. Since Levy had a background in marketing and inventing, he ended up being a great fit. Thanks to his efforts, he, Hampton, and Chung struck a licensing deal with Tiger Electronics in 1997. Shortly thereafter, mm-hmm. Hasbro acquired Tiger, and the team had the resources to fully develop the Furby. And in October 1998, the Furby made its debut at FAO Schwartz, which was once one of the most storied toy stories in the world. Uh, like if you, in big... When uh, yeah. Tom Hanks is dancing bum, on the bum, piano bum. keys. Yeah, yeah. F.A.O. Schwartz. Is it in, uh, is it in uh, Home Alone 2 as well or no? Oh, I think it is. And I... Like, it, I, I know Duncan's it? Toy Chest is a separate thing, but I, I, I just feel like I've seen that that movie or that toy store in other movies too. Like, it's it, I think, like... Was it, it also in... Um, gosh, the night, the before? night before, yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> it totally was. At least the piano was, and they are mm-hmm. in New York, so like, I, I assume that's what's going on. I don't know, yeah, they do Kanye West <sighs> Runaway, god it's damn pretty, it, it is beautiful, pretty good. God, I yeah. love the night before, it's so sweet good, call. sweet callback, Katie, yeah, man, had to, had <laughs> to, yes, continue. The dream, the being in FAO Schwartz, that's the that's the dream as a, as a young toy maker, oh, yeah, yeah. 
And which leads us to chapter two, Furby Invasion. So shit gets real. In one week, 35,000 Furbies are back ordered. And in uh, 1998, 1. Or sorry, 1.8 million Furbies were sold, according to Time Magazine, despite having only been launched in October. In 1999, 14 million Furbies were sold. The toy was originally sold for $35, but because it was such an in-demand toy, there were resellers that were hawking them for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. In the first three years since its launch, 40 million Furbies had been sold. And apparently, I don't have this in here, but apparently it was so chaotic that David Hampton actually decided to run away to the mountains with his family because people were, like, <sighs> hounding him for, for toys. And he's, Give me another Furby. Yeah, and he's 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 really not a big spotlight guy at all. Like this was really kind of I mean, you all you want to be successful, but like I don't think he ever anticipated that it would be such a phenomenon. So You never know. Like yeah. hindsight it's like of course, but like I mean, when he's making the Furby, I mean it's like I just I listen to that you know, I listen to that book about like Nintendo and Sega and it's like you don't realize or like fucking like beanie babies or like fucking i think of like jingle all the way and turbo man which is was not which mm-hmm. which made the turbo man toy like an actual like coveted toy it was insane i just it's just crazy how these things like can just i mean i get it because i'm an obsessive kind of uh person but it's just mm-hmm. wild how like the 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 herd mentality of like everybody wants a furby and mm-hmm. it only like i assume it doesn't last forever because nobody's talking about them right yeah, I, that's actually the next chapter. But I do want to say I... Uh, I I'm <laughs> reading it too. I segued you. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll cut that. I don't want to fuck up the illusion. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, I did read an interview also, or I actually watched an interview with Daniel Chung where he was talking about what he believed was the popularity of the Furby was because the other big toy at the time, the Tickle Me Elmo, what made that so popular was that it was a response of just pressing a button. And uh, the Furby was, again, much more interactive. Like, it used user input. Like, all Furbies start out only knowing Furbish, which is, like, their own kind of nonsense language. And the more time that they spend listening to kids, they are able to speak more English words. So that was, like, a big part of selling the toy. And That's it really caught people's imagination. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, it eventually ended up not being a fad. So, chapter three, fad no more. Like all fads, though, the Furby's popularity didn't last. While an updated version was launched in 2005, it was met with a tepid response from consumers. And by 2007, barely any Furbies were stocked in store shelves. So, what happened? Maybe the market just got oversaturated with the little guys. Maybe consumers turned on the Furby. What was once a cute friend, because it also seemed alive, also made it a little creepy and invoked an uncanny valley idea in consumers. So, uh. the fall. And I, again, I remember Furbies from, like, very specifically, like, probably 1999. And I, they were totally off my radar, like, the very next year. Like, as soon as 2000 hit, I had, I don't think I ever saw one. So... Yeah, for sure. I'm right there with you. But they have a hardcore fan base, interestingly. So, which brings us to chapter four, Furby Revival. 
However, the Furby was to be rebooted again, this time in 2012. The Furby uh, more greatly synthesized one of its more core inspirations, the Tamagotchi. While all previous Furbies generally acted the same, the the 2012 model could develop a unique personality depending on how the user treated it. It also incorporated a Furby app in which the user could feed or translate what the Furby was saying in Furbished English. It also became equipped with L... uh, LCD eyes, as well as an inflated price of $54. This model okay. was met with a little bit more success, which led to a Furby revival. And I actually, we have the most latest one, who, which does have the LCD eyes, and they are crazy expressive. Awesome. Yeah, they're actually really super beautiful. super fucking cool. Like, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, that sounds like amazing. It sounds like something a rich person would have, though. Like, yeah. Like, not that, like, it just sounds like, that sounds like a, a toy of the future. It really is. And they're like big, expressive, like beautiful anime eyes too. Like like sometimes they're like hearts and sometimes they have like little sparkles mm. in them or like they can squint. It's it's really quite cute. Oh so I might I I want one. I might steal yours. <laughs> tell her yeah. tell her I'm coming. Oh yeah. Man. Uh they it, doing this research did make me appreciate them a lot more because again, they were just such a non thought to me. But now I now I really get it because I I am finding them cuter and I I find the whole concept behind them really fascinating of kind of creating this intimacy with the toy which is very Pokemon so it really hit at just the right sure. time for sure oh my god like absolutely and also like I think also I could be sold on literally anything mm-hmm. so like you're you're warming me up to this like to the point where like now who knows I, I at least want to look at ebay and see what furbies are going for mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently quite a lot like some of the articles i was I believe l- that. looking at were like hey your furby can be sold for thousands of dollars but i do want to caught ca- like put some caution on that because uh remember when we all thought that beanie babies were going to be like a big investment and they ended up not oh, yeah. being worth anything I had a cousin that had so many Beanie Babies, and I thought they were so awesome. I still do, frankly, but mm-hmm. I do because I'm just a nostalgic fuck. Like if I saw <laughs> if I saw rows of Beanie Babies, I'm like, hell yes. But yeah, no, everybody did think they were gonna be gold, and I don't know how that mm-hmm. narrative got started. Um, Neither do I. Like maybe because people, maybe because baseball cards or something. I don't know. But maybe. like even that was like a crap. Sh- I have no idea. Everybody just loves merch and and auctioning and wasn't like beanie babies sort of like right at the time of ebay like, oh yeah so yeah for if, sure like maybe that was like a coincide like a coincidence as they say mm-hmm. um <laughs> there's this uh, awesome Katie... oh sorry no no go ahead there's this awesome video on YouTube um, where these two moms, or actually it might be three moms, but two of them are both named Diane or Debbie. They're uh, talking about how to spot counterfeit Beanie Babies. It's about an hour long. Uh, their hair is so beautifully 90s, and I would highly recommend it if you ever wanted to watch moms talk about Beanie Babies for an hour. It's it's very cute. It's on a channel called Demon Occult Video Cassette, but it is a very cute video. Katie, do you have any, like, vices? Like, you know I have an absolute fuckload. Like, you know that I, like, collect movies and Disney. Me and Taylor do Disney pins pretty obsessively and Mm -hmm. uh, lots of other shit. Do you have anything like that? I did when I was in high school. I was really, I was a big weeb. I was really into anime. And I I still have my collection of what I have from from that time. I was really into this anime called Holic. 
and I have all the manga. I have uh, various things I had commissioned over the years of my favorite character. Um, but the the urge really kind of fell out of me. There's nothing really that I feel like I need to acquire anymore, except for maybe dresses. That same kind of love that I used to have for uh, anime and collecting things, I now put mm -hmm. towards like, okay, how can I build my wardrobe? Which has been an nice. interesting kind of shift. I also think you've moved way more than I have, so that's probably also like uh, maybe part of it. Because I remember when I finally had to move, I don't, I moved very infrequently. Like mm -hmm. even when I was in Chicago, I only moved across the street, uh, and like so, when I had to come here, I realized like what a pain in the ass all my collections were. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe maybe you've just been wiser than me well i already knew you were wiser than me this whole time, so. <laughs> yeah i definitely try not to get too much physical media because i always feel like i'm going to move uh i haven't the longest i've ever spent in one place i think was seven years so i'm hardwired to try not to buy books or dvds or anything like that for sure but i also dust in the wind like my mom was like what, what am i going to do with all this holic stuff and i was like can you mail it so I, that is still something that I've, hold, I've held on to because it was so precious to me and I do have such a big nostalgia for it. My mom maintains that, like, now she's going through and just has all of my, like, so much shit of mine. Like, mm -hmm. so much shit of mine. Uh, and, like, storage spaces and everything else. And she maintains she's just going to rent a van and drive to California this summer and just give me all my <laughs> shit. And I'm like, you know, do what you got to do. I'll mm -hmm. take it. Like, but God only knows, like, what I what i have i don't have that's the other thing is i don't have a lot of space in here so mm -hmm. we'll see what happens mm -hmm. katie are we to the movie are we to the insane furby movie not yet let me get through these couple of paragraphs real quick okay my be my be not at all other additions to the line included the furby party rocker a mini furby with a set personality from spring to uh, 2013 and the furby boom which had a lot of the same features as the 2012 model as well as a flashier design and more content for the app next up were the furbling like baby furbies launched in 20 uh 2014 which were essentially baby furbies at their most fun when linked to their furby boom big brother so there was like this big push for like connecting them both it was, it was okay. pretty savvy uh and finally 2016 brought out the most recent furby what i mentioned earlier the furby connect like its predecessors, it is app-compatible, but now the app has more content than ever, including building virtual villages and caring for virtual furblings. It debuted with the most expensive price tag yet, as of this recording at 2020, and the most uh, recent Furby on the market. Luckily, when I got one for Erica for, I think, her birthday one year, uh, the price had gone down significantly. Uh, when it was released, it was around $100, and I was able to get one, I think, for about, like, 30 or $40 damn yeah smart shopper yep yep you gotta and now we were at chapter <laughs> five the insane furby movie yeah man um with this background it helps but like mm -hmm. here's what I, here's what i'll say from as an outsider is when i popped it on all <laughs> i could think was uh it really well first of all we, I felt like we were with the family for a long time before we even got, I forgot it was about Furbies for a second, but mm -hmm. maybe that's just me. Um, Cause I know it is called Furby Island, so I should know. But mm -hmm. then by the time the Furbies got there, I was like, Oh yeah. And then it really just felt like, didn't it feel like uh indoor and they were the Ewoks 
Like, yeah, yeah, I got for that sure. vibe. I got that vibe big time. So like when you said Gremlins, I'm like for sure I see that, and like I could see that comparison the the way they look and restructure as a toy. But in the movie, they totally reminded me as like sort of ripping off of. Uh, I think George Lucas about to sue somebody. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, for sure. It, it oh god, it's so weird. It it's like it's got like an Indiana Jones kind of thing to it um wild it's supposed to be yeah, definitely wild thornberries oh my gosh i was i thought about uh yelling at you about that while i was watching the movie i'm so glad you you came up with that <laughs> I love too wild yeah hell yeah yeah uh and yet it i mean it is what it is it's a 45 minute commercial it's um now is it the pilot is this because i know you mentioned the pilot but i was watching it and i wondered if this was the pilot or what how is this a movie uh so the movie to me is a mystery i think i'm not sure but i think because it was promoted so much more heavily in germany that it's a german film and okay. um it it was definitely shown on various uh like like nickelodeon and uh cartoon network it was shown on tv and it was promoted with one of the Furby products, but the pilot actually didn't come until later. So, uh, it was something that was actually developed by Frederator. Uh, in 2006, a Reddit user and former Frederator employee announced that the television show based on the movie was being developed. They showed a pilot to then-Nickelodeon president Herb Scannell, who supposedly picked up the series. However, a couple months later, when, excuse me, I might get her name wrong, Seema Zargami became president, she wanted to provide changes to the series. The creators pushed back, and thus, supposedly due to creative differences, is the reason why the Furby Island TV series never saw the light of day. Okay, weird. Weird, weird, weird. Cause it so seems it wasn't like... the pilot, to answer your question. Okay. Okay, well, it just feels like with a little tender love and care, I think that would have been a totally serviceable Nickelodeon series. Uh, at least, even based on, even based on the, like, you know movie we saw because mm-hmm. like you know I, I i wasn't blown away by it certainly mm-hmm. but like you know the the, the you know the, what's how good was the barnyard tv series am i being a dick here not at all it also it, it uh, also reminded me of a jimmy neutron episode um totally with a the, the, pretty the similar animation plot. seemed like mm-hmm, and the animation felt like it was kind of wanting to be in that range Mm-hmm. Uh, as well i i could see that working but like maybe it's just like the wrong era for a furby tv show in the first place mm-hmm. i definitely think that they missed their mark on that one uh th- if they had um maybe put something together in like the like man like 2001 would have probably been a great time for that because the furby toy sales would have just beginning were probably just beginning to dip <laughs> so that would have like it re-inspired uh consumers again I- but i think they were just like totally burn at what point at what point did who fucked up by not getting an animated series when everything got an animated series especially at the height like like yeah. how was there not a furby cartoon in the in the mid 90s mm-hmm. because like I, I this is kind of blowing me away because literally everything had it fucking mario and sonic had cartoons mm-hmm. like sonic had like, like three cartoons yeah like everybody had cartoons and that's how like kids knew about shit if you had a mm-hmm. furby cartoon i probably would have wanted a furby but you didn't you had the pokemon cartoon that like a lot that's how like american kids like me sort of found out about the game mm-hmm. you know like that that i just i wonder i wonder if there's a hidden story here of like 
was it a rights? Who fucked up and didn't make a Furby animated series? Yeah, this is blowing. This is blowing me away. It it definitely like would have helped the product immensely. Like Saturday morning Furby cartoon, like those they weren't all very good. Like I mean, there's mm-hmm. some beloved Saturday morning cartoons, but the IP ones didn't even have to be good. They were just there. Yeah, like I think that the Ewoks even had an animated show in the '80s. Hell yeah! I mean, like. Look how much people still love like stuff like He-Man and the and like the show to the toys and stuff like that. Like Furby could have I just don't understand why Furby wouldn't be right in there. The thing that confuses me about Furby um that that did when I was a child and kind of still does now is that now they definitely seem to have landed on the robot side of things that the Furby is animatronic and that's part of the charm. But like when we were kids, I remember being like, "Okay, are we supposed to take these guys as robots or as little animal creatures? That was, yeah, I, I think that would have been right. very nice to have had were... explained in TV movies slash TV series format. So they're leaning into these are little robots. Mm-hmm. In the more, more recent incarnations, for sure. That's way creepier than the original mm-hmm. thing. Like, I just always thought they were little baby owls as a kid. I was like, oh, how cute. Mm-hmm. Like, weird okay well i mean i'm cool with them being robots again i still definitely want one like i mean i'm gonna buy three mm-hmm. right now but <laughs> <laughs> i just like i don't know like i think that is like the the greatest the cardinal sin of this furby movie isn't isn't the content whatsoever it's that it the it and the tv series didn't happen uh Sooner. 10 years before mm-hmm. yeah for sure that's it- that's fucked up man there's, That's there's a mistake. A, also, there's a really insane element to this movie that I think is worth discussing, which is the movie... Like, okay, so this movie centers on a 13-year-old girl named Maddie who goes to Furby Island, and she connects with a Furby of her very own. Very Pokemon, very cool, awesome. But then what makes the Furby different is they kind of have a psychic, empathetic connection to the people that they bond with. So, like, when the Furby feels sad, the person that they're bonded with feels sad. And Furbies can, like, insert memories and, like, give somebody a flashback, essentially. So there is, like, this really tight bond between the two of them. And, like, that's a totally different take from the lore. And unlike the, like, um, the robot storyline that they're going with right now, these are very much, like, ancient uh, creatures who were first worshipped and now are being hunted by evil Steve Irwin supposedly for their empathetic powers i guess so i mean we all love steve Irwin, but Mm -hmm. um yeah i guess so i feel like they kind of wrote away those parents really quick yeah i don't know so it's kind of hard to 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 even love that steve Irwin, Mm -hmm. Uh, evil steve Irwin, Mm -hmm. regardless um sorry i really spaced out because i started thinking i was just like (laughs) i was just like really got lost i'm like will will furby it just feels like i'm sorry i'm still so stuck on like mm-hmm. the ip feels like such a drop ball like how could it come back around i'm sitting here trying to brainstorm how to save furbies they don't need me well we are but actually now would be the perfect time for it i think because now we're kind of moving from 80s nostalgia into 90s nostalgia so if there was ever a time, time to try us. again it'd be now yeah absolutely totally totally i mean what do you think the move would be like it seems like they already know what they're doing connecting it with the app Mm -hmm. like that like that seems like the smartest way to go about it but like angry birds got two movies why can't furby i just don't get it 
I am. Um, it, it definitely seems like they'd have to settle on, like, again, this movie was more like they're, they're tiny creatures, and a new property, I think, would have to lean into its Westworld, but for kids and not murdering. So, definitely something to that regard. Yeah. Uh, like, little robot friend. Little robot friends. Do you think? Oh, it'd be expensive. I feel like live action could be interesting. I was thinking that while while listening to like listening to some of like the dialogue and like locations in this flick. I don't mm-hmm. know how you pull how you do the Furbies and stuff, but I was just thinking, if we just had live actors doing this, it it might be honestly more pleasant than than the animation. Yeah, yeah. They um, this is definitely a low budget film where the uh human characters look a lot more uncanny valley than the actual Furbies, which is a step up for the Furbs because they look really good in comparison. They uh, do look good, good Furbs. Yeah, I think, I mean, with trends, it would definitely be CG if you were going to animate it. But if it was, I think the move if you were going to go the animated route would be two D to kind of like soften the edges a little bit make them more stylized mm-hmm. yeah but a live action movie is really interesting because again you can hit on gremlins and maybe do a story yeah. more like that or are we in an era where like i mean are we in an era where all these streaming services are about to go to battle is there no one that wants like a furby series like i i don't know i feel like i feel like it's a, a well-known enough ip that it could end up on something like everybody. I mean, especially now more than ever, we haven't been in movie theaters in fucking 10 weeks, 12 mm-hmm. weeks. How long has it been? Who knows? Um, <laughs> and, and I don't think anybody, I mean, Christopher Nolan seems to think we're all going back for tenant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd risk the Rona for Pattinson, but mm-hmm. if, if I were to do it for anybody, it would probably be for him. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. But I think now more than ever, like, a streaming service should cop the IP for Furby and do these adorable little creatures right. For sure. I I think that they're... And that also brings us to the next portion, if you're cool with it. Um, There is a gigantic Furby fan base. Um, So here we are. Chapter 6, A Furby of One's Own. Furbies have been an indelible part of our culture. Whether through their infamous film, Furby Island, or how they've been parodied in various internet memes and the Steam horror game Tattletale, and even television shows as recent as Duncan. <laughs> I just remembered I have seen a shitload of Furby me. I hadn't even thought about that. That's super funny. Oh, yeah. They keep popping up. Like, like two, people remember. I can think of two specifically. Like... There's there's one where somebody's like saying like that Billy Eilish looks like a Furby, which not nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another one where it's like the Furby like squinting like really tight. It's like fight me, you little bitch. Or <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Sorry, I was like, oh fuck, Furbies are popular. They're in yeah, memes. absolutely. The internet has totally embraced them. Osmosis. For- yeah. Uh, there's something about the Furby that has captured our collective imagination. Furbies have even made a splash with collectors in the form of the Furby community, who lovingly te- tear their favorite Furbies apart and rebuild them in some of the most creative and imaginal ways possible, including the internet's very own Long Furby. Have you heard of Long Furby? No, dude. Uh, do, do yourself a favor and Google Long Furby. It is a trip. So Is Long Furby a total long boy? <laughs> yeah. He is the longest boy. 
Oh no! <laughs> oh, it's a long boy. <laughs> I don't know if I like it. <laughs> it looks kind of like a Sintret, doesn't it? Uh, a what? Do you remember that Pokemon Sintret? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sintret? It does kind of look like that. Oh, how cute! But the, the middle. <laughs> oh, what a fucking weird thing, man. <laughs> That's scary. I'm looking at some other ones. Oh, no. These are scary. I got to get off. I got to get off. <laughs> Somebody was putting like, oh, God, that creeped the fuck out of me. Somebody put like weird spider legs on it and stuff. Yeah, dude. There's one that I saw Katie, that has like, like all this. teeth. <laughs> the Furbies uh, are turning on me. I know. They're turning on me, Katie. They, they do that. They do that. So a little bit about Long Furby. Long Furby was created by Jenna, a fan from the Midwest, who took a white and black 1998 Furby buddy and customized it with a long noodle-like body, as you've seen. She dubbed him Weston Mortimer Mayhem Moondoggy. This led to a fad of fans creating their own Long Furbies, which delighted Jenna. What is great about this community is their love for Furbies isn't the least bit ironic. It is the deep, pure love that comes from finding joy in being creative. Who is to say that the next? Who is to say when the next Furby will be released, or what the future of the brand is? Though I suspect that Hasbro's film and television division have at least bounced around pitches. That said, I think the deep love of the Furby community is a pretty good legacy to have. And of course, now we're at the epilogue slash just for fun, which is uh, something I wanted to put in just for you, Luke. Oh, so- oh. <laughs> yes, so, yes, 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 yes. Epilogue for fun. Let's talk about that Furby from Uncut Gems. Mm. Chef's kiss. Uh, I, 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 was, I was blown away when I saw that Furby. Um, I, I, especially in the trailer. They use it in the trailer for really interesting dramatic effect because they're trying not to give away the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it really ends up being like a throwaway in the flick, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. But like, help me out here are the safties like deep cuts furby fans like what's the point of that like icing out furbies and putting like the moving eyes it's such an interesting choice and i love it but like and also also to your gremlin comparison that's what kevin garnett fucking says when he pulls out like, what is he's got a gremlin like yeah, yeah. Little, like like so you know it's there it's in the it's in the lexicon so i have who would the- win in a fight a Furby or a Gremlin? Oh, a Gremlin, a thousand percent. I think the Furbies are but what actually about a peaceful. A long boy. A long boy? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the long boy would have the advantage just from size alone. <laughs> All right, go ahead. That's sorry. so awesome. I'm so happy that I got to introduce you to Long Furby. <laughs> oh, dude. Like, so, yeah. And also, I see you, you wanted to get your hands on one. Best of luck. They just did. A24 has been doing uh, the A24 action during um, the pandemic, and I think uh, proceeds have been going to uh, COVID-19 relief funds and such mm-hmm. like that. Um, and the, I'm pretty sure the Furby went for a lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I am sad I wasn't able to get one, uh, get my mitts on one, but I did put this together. So I hope it is a also a good present. So I mean, there's... totally. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. So uh, I did find a car- an article from Vulture from uh, December 9th, uh, 2019, by Hannah Woodhead that's uh, entitled "There Was the Sadness in the Eyes: The Story Behind Uncut Gems' Bedazzled Furby." And uh, so to answer your question, if the Safdie brothers were fans, they uh, they weren't. 
They, um, but they recognize that it's a meme, and uh, it ended up being kind of a mascot for the movie, and it apparently was written in there from the from the script stage. Like, they were talking wow. about, like, what kind of um, character could they have in there that would be, what like, the kind of mood that they were going for, and they... Like, they batted around, like, Bart Simpson, and eventually they shook their heads and they were like, no, 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 it has to be a Furby. So I'm looking at this paragraph right here. Josh and Benny Safdie were 14 and 12 years old, respectively, when the global Furby craze began in the 1990s, the product of Tiger Electronics. Like the Cabbage Patch kids of the 1980s, awesome Luke. They were the must-have status symbol for discerning tweens selling an eye-watering 27 million units during their first year of production what's wow. the saddest dumbest thing that existed in the 90s it's the furby josh explained over the phone to vulture with his brother online too because they didn't really mean anything they were just kind of these things and at cunt gems howard ratner likes things so that's yes. why they decided on the furby which is definitely a more cynical take than um than uh erica has for sure um it's more about the memory of it all than for a deep love of Furbies. And, uh, like, they're talking about how there's a sadness in the eyes. Like, these things are trapped inside this materialist object. Trapped inside the thing that we all aspire to and want. These sad, desperate, just to get out. Very, very cynical. Dude, it's blowing me away, too. Like, this article is very... Like, I'm obsessed with Uncut Gems. So, like, mm-hmm. the idea, like, it goes further to say that, like... Howard was huge like like they mentioned in the movie that like he was huge like with like 80s and 90s and like like icing out like rappers for rap videos and stuff so Mm -hmm. to make it a 90s icon like it says here and ice that out and stuff as like like that is so goddamn smart and these safties man they are like they are layered filmmakers like oh for sure shit so like what a this is brilliant i'm so happy you included this this is like a present to me I'm um, glad. Oh my god, God, that's so that's such so smart. I had the pleasure, and I know I've mentioned it on here, but like, I heard Josh and Benny Safdie uh, talk after Uncut Gems at the uh, at the New Beverly, and they are just awesome to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like that is an amazing Q and A. Like they can Q and A with the best of them. Like I mean, I've I've listened to Kevin Smith Q and A, and obviously that's the top notch. But he's not lucky enough. Can you imagine if there were two Kevin Smiths that were just playing <laughs> off each other? Mm-hmm. Like. Like, I mean, it's just, it's a dynamic. Um, I adore it. I, these guys are so awesome. And now I am back, even though the long Furby scared me, I'm back and Furbies <laughs> are cool again because you cool. reminded me of Uncut Gems. <laughs> I'm so glad. And props to prop master Catherine Miller for putting it together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, damn. I, that is like such a, such a memorable prop in the movie too. I wonder mm-hmm. if like... I wonder, I mean, I'm sure they had to ask permission to use it. Um, they were probably stoked as hell. They were like, yes, you may let Adam Sandler have an iced out Furby in your movie. Please, for <laughs> the love of God, do that. Like, so good for them. Good mm-hmm. for them. Awesome. That's all I have. <laughs> and that's all I have. That just about wraps up uh, this little anniversary gift I put together for Erica. I, uh, Erica, I love you very much. I'm uh, very happy and grateful to be with you and i i hope that this is a wonderful gift and i'm looking forward to having a great anniversary with you so yeah oh my god so fucking beautiful (laughs) 
Oh, it's enough to make a grown man cry. Happy anniversary <laughs> to you two. You two lovebirds, take it easy. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've been Katie Grotzinger. I've been Luke Taylor. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>